Today's episode is sponsored by Tego. For most of us, indemnity insurance is one of our biggest costs of practice. But when was the last time you took a look at the coverage and compared your premium with others? Many of us are still with the same insurer we joined in med school or intern year. Thousands of doctors have made the switch to Tego and benefited from their personalised approach to pricing. You will also get an extra two months free in your first year. If you are new to private practice, you might even qualify for four years of discounted premiums. Tigo offers competitive premiums, quality cover and 24-7 support backed by top Medico legal advisors. Get a free quote and discover why thousands of doctors are insured by Tigo by visiting tigo.com.au. Hello listeners and welcome to Deep Breaths, a podcast covering topics related to the part two anaesthetic exam. I'm Dr. Kate McCrossan. And I'm Dr. Kate Steele. And today's episode is part two of Shake It Out, where we discuss ways to take care of yourself while studying with our special guest, Dr. Julia Slykerman. As always, in this podcast, we represent our own views and not those of our employers or ANSCA. So, Julia, thank you so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. So, we were two points through three points because there's so much to talk about and the third point I think was all about knowing yourself so yeah. should we dive into that a little bit yeah sounds great so for me this encompassed quite a lot of things it was getting to know how I function day to day and how I function best so I can kind of hack that and get mm. the most out of my study experience but then also the enjoyment out of life at the same time so I think they do a lot of this in elite sports, the corporate world, that type mm, of thing. Mm. Um, so circadian rhythm is really important. If you're a really morning person, then that's going to be your best time of day to get the best study done, but mm. also to get other tasks and things that you need to get done. Whereas if you're more of a night owl, and it's probably not such a big deal if you're studying after dinner and then have more time before bed. Mm. Whereas for me as a lark, that would be a total nightmare and guarantee me no sleep that evening. <laughs> other things, I guess, in that know yourself category is, is how do you study the best way? Mm. Um, what techniques work best for you? Are you someone who it's good if you have a question in mind when you're reading something, the active sort of processes of learning? Are mm. you better in a task-based kind of focus rather than maybe someone who likes listening to podcasts or, or mm. they'll retain things better that Doesn't way? everyone love podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> Human beings are such a varied bunch. That's not a loaded question at all. <laughs> and how you restore best. So mm. what, what do you do? And this is, again, a very individual thing. So yoga for some people would be an absolute freaking nightmare, whereas mm. for me, I love it and always makes me feel good. But mm. you can't sort of prescribe that um, mm. without sort of having a go at a, a few different things but you know we've all lived lives before this point and so we've got a pretty good idea of what makes us tick and Mm. what works and doesn't work and the other thing I think that we alluded to was how do we know when we're not okay and we'll Mm. talk a bit more about that later on with other people as well Mm. but if you can start to notice those signs in yourself and some of them will be sort of physical some will be more like the mental traffic that that occurs Mm. and how can you pick up that something needs to be done earlier rather than later so that you can stay on task and focus remember Mm. things really well and if you are feeling stressed what's going to work for you to dial that back a bit so you can get back on track mm-hmm. yeah. so what we've, I mean what we've discussed so far could be kind of encompassed as I guess as a bit of a strategy so expectations yeah. for yourself and others practicing your self-care and then yes. knowing yourself and probably I suppose mm. knowing yourself is like the first step really out of mm. all of that mm. but yeah as you say recognizing the signs of stress like I know we've with all three of us you know we, we, mm. we know each other outside of the podcast and we've all experienced stress in different ways mm. I think one thing I would experience is uh, they talk about the 
experiencing the physical signs of anxiety can sometimes bring on the anxious feeling itself. Yeah. And I was working at a hospital at the time when I was trying to prepare for the primary where I had to walk up a hill to get to the hospital. And I'd get short of breath and then I'd start feeling stressed right. and anxious yeah, yeah, and start getting panicky. Mm. And then once I got to work, I was fine because I was distracted and getting changed and heading yeah. off to theatre. But I think that was just a sign of my underlying stress and warming yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, look, let's let's continue talking about those sorts of manifestations. Now, acknowledging that people may manifest their stress, obviously, in different ways. We've just spoken about that. Julia, do you have any telltale signs that a colleague or a study buddy, you know, can look for in you or that you can look for in others, you know, that are things to suggest that someone isn't coping or that something's something's wrong? I think um, for sort of intense experiences in life, there's that classic sympathetic nervous system mediated stuff like Kate was talking about that Mm. flight, fright or freeze. But it's pretty rare really to see that around us outside of a true crisis situation. Mm. But we were talking about having these prolonged episodes of uh, a rise in stress and never Mm. being able to go Mm. back to baseline. So with that we might start to see other things that that life's sort of getting away from us and that's much more common Mm. so things like flat affect low mood people withdrawing people becoming quick to anger Mm. or finding fault all the time Mm. emotional ability difficulty making decisions and i guess a real key telltale sign is that sort of taking the anhedonia taking little joy in things that used to be important Mm. to the person Mm. and some people even get to the point where they do actually start verbalizing feelings of of hopelessness or of being overwhelmed Mm. we might see things like absenteeism increasing so sick leave or not turning up to study sessions and presenteeism which is a really uh, common feature for burnout in in the medical profession in particular where we turn up but we're so disengaged we become ineffective Mm. and also potentially dangerous so you might sort of notice those things as well I think what you were talking about, Kate, with the um, physical sensations is a really big one too. So we might notice that in our in ourselves. But there are it's that classic sort of balance between the parasympathetic nervous system calming mm. us down and the sympathetic mm. nervous system revving us up. So I think the techniques that work for those are ones that are going to be targeting getting that rest and digest happening, um, mm. and the things that you can do in the moment, and mm. things that are a bit more long term that'll be helpful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what options do our trainees have if either they themselves feel they're having difficulty coping or if they're worried that a study buddy is having a hard time managing the stress that comes with preparing for exams? So I think there's, um, in most of the departments now throughout Australia and New Zealand, there will be a wellbeing advocate, um, which has been really supported by ANSCA now. So they're a great contact point. This is someone who's obviously got an interest in doctor welfare, and they are linked with other welfare advocates around the the state and the country. Mm -hmm. They'll have lots of resources and contacts that might be useful. As we mentioned before, having a good GP is a really good starting point. Mm. I mean, they're someone who would, you know, see people day to day and have a list of psychologists and psychiatrists up their sleeve that they could recommend for you. Mm. And they're also just good to give you some perspective as to what your experience is quite a normal, normal phenomena and this will pass. It doesn't necessarily need to be pathologised into a, a mental um, mm. illness itself. The Doctors' Health Advisory Service in the different states uh, is run by GPs and psychiatrists who are really happy to treat doctors and and they can help access specialist care if that's required. Sometimes just having a chat with someone over the phone can give the perspective that we sort of talked about and Mm -hmm. dial things down a bit. And your hospital that you work at, 
may, may have some on-site psychology services and they all have employee assistance programs. ANSCA does too with Converge. Mm. And they have a wide variety of resources. Many of these are now available in app form and online. They can be accessed 24 hours a day. And for Converge, it's also available for the immediate families of ANSCA trainees okay. and fellows, which is good to know because mm. it's not just us working in isolation. We're part of a team that can be affected by this. Mm. I think sometimes um, we forget who we have in our own social networks mm. and maybe we've lost touch with people because we've been busy but it's most people won't mind having a phone call and reaching out mm. and it's worthwhile just saying to a friend or a family member look I'm finding things really tough at the moment it's a great starting point and chances are they've probably noticed that something's not quite right too mm. and they, they know you like they've known you for a long time they know what makes you tick they probably have some really good insights and suggestions that you know, will help based on challenging times they've had in their own lives. So planning a regular checkup with someone like that can be really useful. I think the important thing to say is that you need to notice when things aren't okay and um, do something about it before it gets really desperate. So reaching out for help, and if you don't get the response that you, you know, had hoped for first of all, don't lose hope. You know, try another avenue of support until you get what you need. You're mm. definitely not alone in this. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I think, you, Kate, you've had some experiences with stress in exams. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, when it comes to exams, I'm just one big ball of stress. And unfortunately, like, well, I say unfortunately, I, I got through the through the part two first, first time, which was fantastic, but... I feel like I did everything wrong. Like having having spent the last, you know, nearly 30 minutes talking about what to do correctly for study, oh gosh, I'm just a perfect example of what not to do. So I completely withdrew. I was that person that sat at my desk for 12 hours a day <laughs> and smashed out study and, you know, didn't really have a very good plan when mm. it came to what I was going to cover yeah. and when. I didn't have very realistic expectations. I just, I had the bull in the china shop approach of yeah. I'm just going to ram myself at this as hard <laughs> and as fast as I can for as long as I can mm. and hope something works. And yes, I got through it, but geez, it was not an easy, mm. you know, there are, looking back, there are so many things that I could have done to make life so much easier for myself and to just improve, I think, the quality of the study I was yeah. doing, you yeah. know, it would have been a much more sensible approach to reduce the number of hours I was sitting at my desk per day, focus on good quality study, and then looking at those sort of restorative practices, you know, that I could have done to you know, draw my stress levels back down and to actually Im improve the odds of me doing better quality study the next day. So I was a distance runner. I, I remember I stopped running altogether when I was studying mm. because I'd convinced myself that I didn't have time because there was so much to cover. Like I said, I'm just a, I'm just a case book on what not to do. <laughs> I think it's really common. Like I don't think I did it particularly well either. And it's probably what triggered my interest in wellbeing afterwards, realizing mm. this is just like a microcosm of greater life. And Absolutely. there's a whole lot more that's mm. going to flow on from this. You yeah. hear that a lot, like people that are in team sports that stopped playing and yeah. didn't realize what an important part of their life that it was. Absolutely. Um, and it's, funny I mean we're all very intelligent highly functioning people in you know complex critical jobs yeah. but it's weird we sort of think that if we're you know doing a whole pile of things and that must mean that I'm doing it the right way mm. um, in other industries they don't do that you know in an mm. elite sport they're very prescriptive about mm. everything and I think we can take a lot of uh, information from what they do and, and mm. use those techniques and apply it to something like this you've got to have a game plan right yeah and I think that can help and you know for me I use that kind of team kind of mentality quite a bit and I'd be pep talking myself a lot of the time and <laughs> if I was having a really bad day then you know sometimes there'd be a bit of Indiana Jones theme music in the back of my head just sort of <laughs> working me on so 
Yeah, I think it's important not to beat yourself up. That's the mm. other thing that's really important. If you're having trouble with that, because often we struggle with self-compassion, just think what you would say to somebody who you really loved and respected in that regard. So mm. if you're having a, a tough time of it, that's fine. You know, everyone is. And what can I do to make this a bit easier? Okay, 25, 25 minutes, head down. Yeah. And then I get to, you know, call my mum or something like that and enjoy making a cup of tea, having a chat to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that. And I know that we mentioned previous in... Um, in episode one of Shake It Out that these aren't just skills that are useful for when you're studying exam. Mm -hmm. These are, you know, we're in a a high-stress job. Anesthesia is a high-stress job and there are going to be times where, you know, life and other stresses get in our way. And these are, you know, these are skills that are all transferable to real life, you know, not just for when you're sitting the exam in this little bubble of, you know, perfect study and stress relief and mindfulness. This is all, you know, these are all things that are important to implement in your day, into your day-to-day life. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. and it I can think totally change your life. 100%. Absolutely. I mean, there's some great studies that show just 10 minutes of mindful meditation a day will actually shrink the size of your amygdala, so mm. you become less reactive. And I mean, that's just such a fantastic thing to have going forward in, in your working life. Mm. Mm. Because yeah. things don't tend to get. We were discussing before, and some of my colleagues when we chat with our registrars. Certain things do get better, I think, when you stop being a registrar, less mm. shift work comes to mm, mind. Definitely. Uh, obviously not having the pressure of exams unless you are pursuing further study, which some people do. But life just tends to get more complex and harder. Yep. Uh, things come into the equation, perhaps kids, perhaps sick parents. The stress of being a consultant is a, probably a different kind of stress, taking mm. on the ultimate responsibility. Yeah. You've got teaching and training, supervision. Uh, you're often permanently part of a department or perhaps you're starting a private practice mm. and they all have their unique stressors. So just yeah. because the exam's over doesn't mean that won't be replaced with something else. So yep. it's a long-term longevity in healthcare and healthcare is getting harder. Um, yes. mm. We had quite a few people retire in our department recently and they commented that the patients are getting more and more challenging with comorbidities Indeed, and yeah. it's not going to get any easier, I don't mm, think. Yeah. And pressure from health services, increasing population, needing mm. to get more done, particularly in the perioperative area, but this is not unique to anaesthesia Absolutely. either. Mm, yeah. um, so it's just going to get harder. We yeah. need to find a way to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. Not just when you think everything's great, the world throws in a pandemic, you know? <laughs> yeah, so that's right, exactly. It's, there will always be things that do add that extra stress and you mm. do really have to understand who you are, how you deal with these things, what works for you. And yeah, and we have an impact on the people we work with. So I think that part of being a professional is managing yourself. Um, Definitely. And that's, you know, they talk about this sort of psychological sneeze. So if you're turning up to work in a bad mood and you're totally overwhelmed and distressed the people around you will be impacted by, you know, your attitude and your behaviour. So mm. it's not just for yourself, it's for the people that you work with and people that you care about. It'll just make your life a, mm. an easier it's place so to true. be. And it's the so patients, true. I guess, as well. 100%. I mean, that's the end point, right? Mm. Like, we want to have a good outcome for our, mm. for our patients. So, mm. yeah, and you want to feel like you're doing your best job. Mm. That's mm. why we're all there. Mm. I think the other thing that we haven't completely covered, maybe you mentioned it, but is, is outsourcing, if possible. Yeah. I think that's... Uh, if you can, there are obviously financial limitations to this. Sometimes mm. it's how much you can outsource various things, but mm. can you afford to get a cleaner, even if it's just a couple of hours a yeah, fortnight to do the floors? Um, I know that I found some, this is kind of before, I mean, these days there are so many options like Marley mm. Spoon and New Foods. There wasn't, they didn't really exist when I was studying, True. which yeah. wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah. But um, I found a company at the time, I don't think they exist anymore, but they did you know, dinners that were maybe $10, $12. Yeah. And so I invested in a few of those, particularly yep. when I was trying to work night shifts. Mm. Yep. So just what can you do that might be a bit of a lower cost to try to outsource 
things. Yeah. yeah, take some of that burden of the day-to-day off. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, again, it's that sort of adjustment of expectations and, you know, what, what are my uh, goals for this? How am I going to make it easier? Those little life hacks, I think, make a huge difference. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Well, look, Julia, with our podcast every week, we finish with a question. What have we learnt this week in anaesthesia? Julia, what have you learnt this week? Uh, I'm not sure if it's been driven by reading James Nestor's book, Breath, recently about the impact of the way we breathe, but I did have a colleague sort of talk to me about difficult airway assessment and just picking up that patients that have had braces and retainers before kind of fall in that category that they might be actually more likely to have difficulty than not just to the shape oh. of their mandible. So, oh, yeah, so then I was learning about the um, uh, technique of putting their teeth over the top of their lip as a scoring system as well, which I think it was validated in a study in the last couple of years. So mm. there you go, get everyone to bite their upper lip. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. So bottom teeth on upper lip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The if bulldog. they can't do that, then they <laughs> go, increases their risk by about 60% for being a difficult wow. airway. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Well, it's been a really interesting and valuable discussion on deep breaths this week. As always, you can contact us at deepbreathspod at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions. And if you know someone that you think would be a great interviewee or you would like to join us as a guest, please feel free to let us know. Our podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. Be sure to spread the word to anyone you know that's preparing to sit the Part 2 exam. Thanks for listening and we hope you can join us next time on Deep Breaths.